So, John Gordon is the uh, two times UKBC champion. He's uh, the uh, a finalist in WBC this year. He's an amazing guy. Uh, he's I have great privilege in calling him a very close friend um, and Jesse's partner there as well. He's talk is going to be amazing, and we should get him up, please. Ladies and gentlemen, John Gordon. with you I, I kind of feel quite unprepared um, when I first got asked to do this talk uh, I, had, I had a really good idea of what I wanted to talk about now for those who don't know me I'm completely obsessed uh, with machines and how they work and um, absolutely obsessed with water water quality um, and and so I kind of I felt like as baristas <coughs> We really should know how our machines work, the things that we use every day. You know, we, we really should should learn about how to 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 keep them, you know, beautiful and sparkly, and, and make sure they're working properly. Let's let's see if this works. Hey, right, that was meant to be my first one, wasn't it? That's my second one. These are some of my favourite machines at the moment. Um, and I love playing around with these things. Um, there's one for you, Paul Stack. Yay. <laughs> so, um, you know, I really thought that that baristas should just learn how 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 these things tick. You know, and, and learn how to fix them, maybe. Learn how to maintain them. Um, you know, and really keep them running like a, a well-tuned sports car. Steve, that one's for you. <laughs> um, you know what? That's not the case. It's, it's really not the case. As baristas, we make fantastic coffee. We do. We make fantastic coffee. Um, and you know, we, I think we really, and I'm going to generalise here, we really treat our machinery appallingly. We, we don't look after them, we don't take care of them. Um, we we take, take our machines for granted. Um, you know, we, and what I found the last few weeks is we really, we do things without thinking. We, we don't think of the consequences of, of our actions when we start playing with machines and, and things like that. And, going into service or engineer settings. What I've noticed lately is a lot of machines have a user setting and they also have service settings. The user defining the person that uses it. The service settings defining the person that services that machine. Now when you start playing with those things, horrible things, horrible things happen. Um, there's something else that I kind of uh, there we go. <laughs> to me, this this is kind of common sense. 
you would think to everybody that this is common sense. Um, electricity and water just purely don't mix. Um, so, now I'm not, I'm not actually, I'm not saying that we, as Bristol, should be like Cosimo and Nero. We should, we, we don't need to be able to construct these beautiful machines, um, or, f or you know, strip them apart and and rebuild them. But I do think that we sh we really should be able to carry out simple tasks to make sure that everything works, uh, make sure it's, everything is even kept, kept in working order and, you know, to know where to draw that line between tinkering and calling someone to actually fix our problems. All right, so, let's get back to this guy. So, put your hands up if you own a car. A few of you own a car. Okay. So let's let's think about a little scenario here. If you're driving along and a wheel fell off your car, honestly, if you're driving along and a wheel fell off your car, would you keep driving? I would hope not. If uh, if your lights weren't working on your car, would you drive around at night time without being able to see a single thing? Again, I, I would really hope not. So I think this kind of leads us on to this, responsibility. You know, who, who's responsible for, for maintaining our equipment, for making sure that the right people know when something's wrong? I think we all are. Um, everyone from, from manufacturers to managers to, to, to baristas, um, to owners of, of cafes and restaurants, wherever your coffee equipment is. Now this leads me on to a, a very quick story. Um, so I knew, I knew these two guys growing up in my teens. Uh, when they both turned 18, they, they both bought themselves a sports car. Now, the first guy got financed for, for his car and Jen, if you would say kindly, Thank you very much. Just pay attention to this video, if it plays. There we go. Okay, so the first guy got financed for his sports car and he kind of drove it like this. Quite often, mind you. And, uh, and he didn't treat it very well. And you know, he, he only ever saw the mechanic when something broke, which is generally his engine. Um, you know, he, he never really took care of it, he didn't clean it. And, um, you know, there's a, a big fault of his. So the other guy I knew, he, um, he actually started saving money when he was about 13 and, and, and saved all so, so much money and purchased his car himself with his own money. And every weekend on a Saturday morning, he got up and he cleaned that car and he got regular services and he checked his oil and he kept a logbook of everything happened to that car. To this day, he still has that sports car and it's in mint condition. And the other guy that keeps driving like this is, uh, he's been through several cars, he's, he's lost his license a few times as well. 
um, spent copious amounts of money on on maintaining his car or the cars that he's had, and um, you know it's just it's really looking about uh, looking at that responsibility, like taking responsibility for for your actions, um, and and this guy really didn't do it. So again, I want to go back to that. Um, uh, in this room, just quickly, hands up, um, baristas um, or managers of, of cafes or managers slash owners of cafes or restaurants, somewhere that you know has coffee or tea equipment. Um, now, how many of you here only actually see a technician when something goes wrong. Like if, if something breaks down, obviously the, the first thing the first thing you do is call your technician. Now, one of I kind of I really think that this is one thing that we can start paying attention on here is that rather than waiting till something breaks down till we till we call someone, we actually take a step before that and get things done before bad things happen. So let's take our, our sports car scenario and turn that into a cafe. And we have cafe number one. They don't clean anything. That is actually a drain box from a, um, an espresso machine, believe it or not. But they, don't, they don't clean. They don't change their water filter. Uh, that's inside a boiler, of, a steam boiler of an espresso machine. And believe it or not, that was actually um, descaled overnight and still had that much in it. Um, they really don't take care of any of their stuff. They don't clean, they don't change their water filters, they don't worry about changing their grinder blades. They, you know, they constantly come up with, with problems. Machinery breaks down in the middle of service. Um, so not only are they paying for engineers to come out and fix their machines, but they also have that downtime um, where they should be serving customers. And, and you know, with, with all this sort of stuff, coffee can't exactly taste that great either. So here, we, they're losing faith in, in their customers. Their regular customers are, are just walking away and going somewhere else. So cafe number two. There we go. This, now this to me, I, I would assume this kind of stuff makes sense. So they clean constantly throughout the day, cleaning their drip trays, cleaning their steam ones, uh, cleaning their benches, uh, back flushing, and uh, constantly back flushing throughout the day. And it, it actually makes the end of their day clean up a hell of a lot quicker and easier. So they do a, they also do a daily monitoring and, and, and they document their water testing. Now, there's many ways to test water, um, and, and they just keep an eye on their, their filtration. They keep some spares at hand all the time. Things can go wrong, it always happens. Spare set of group gaskets, something doesn't feel right, it's not sealing properly, just quickly, quickly swap it out. Um, over and done with. Grinder blades, and I'll talk a bit more about that later. I've got an idea for this. 
we keep a, they keep a, a spare set of grinder blades. And this is also a good idea that, heaven forbid, a, a rock goes through our grinder, or in some of the cases, a bullet shell. You never know what happens. Or a set of glasses, as I know Steve has found his, in coffee before. Heaven forbid that stuff goes through our grinder and destroys our grinder blades. So what do we do? Do we continue you know, making coffee throughout the day? Quickly change them and get that over and done. And this thing, I, I, I think this kind of makes sense. And it's the same with the car. You do a regular service just to make sure things are okay before they get to a bad state. And I think this is a good idea, just to, even if it's not necessary, take half an hour for an engineer to come in, have a quick look. If anything is wrong, they can quickly fix it. Um, or it's not, you know, gaskets and things like that wear it out. And, and it'd be nice to change them before they actually start causing problems. So the implications from, from the difference between these two cafes is, is huge. The, one is the cost. So our cafe number one that doesn't, doesn't clean and, and don't do all the, those sorts of things and they spend ridiculous amounts of money on engineers and, and, and loss in revenue from uh, breaking, uh, machines breaking down during service um, and all that sort of stuff. Now, there's a big difference here between these two cafes. I know which one I would go to to start with. So, really, what does all this mean? So, what I would like to see is, and to be honest, there's actually a couple of people, a couple of cafes in London that have started documenting little bits and pieces. Now, you know, it's, it's another thing to, to document all this information and then another thing to actually act on this information as well. So one of the first things I would like to see happen, hopefully, is, is all of this, preventative maintenance. This is what I'm getting to, is we really need to prevent bad things from happening and how we do that is uh, a series. I've got a, little, a series of, of different documents here that I would like people to start paying attention to. Okay. okay, first is water testing. This is, I love, I love water. I'm, I'm absolutely obsessed with water. Now, an easy way of doing this, two easy ways actually. On the left, we have an inline TDS meter. We can install these in our, uh, this particular one actually, we can have it one on our uh, incoming water before our fil filtration, and we can have the other side actually coming out, of the reading the water of what's coming out of the filter. So that's an easy way. You press a button, it turns it on, it gives you a reading, and you can document that. The other one is a, ha uh, a handheld TDS meter. So we can just draw water from all our pieces of equipment. And we can start doing things like this. Now, what I'd like to do at the end of this next week, sometime, I'll talk to Steve about this, I meant to talk to you before actually, uh, is have these examples up online for everyone to download and use them as an example, print them out and, and start doing water testing. It's, it's quite a simple thing to do. Um, so we, I would, this is me, this is what I would do. I would test my tap water, I would test the water that's coming out of my filter, I would test all the water that's coming out of all of my groups. 
uh, a lot of machines with um, multi-brew boilers these days. I would also test the water coming out of my steam boiler and if I had a drinking tap installed as well. So all these different things I would test them on a daily basis. Now doing this, we're actually going to notice when our filtration declines and when we need to change filters or when we need to adjust filters and when we'll learn we'll be able to preempt any problems happening and you know, lim limit the, the scale that ends up forming in our boilers. The next thing, there we go. Starting a, an espresso machine maintenance log. Uh, this is kind of like the little log book that you have in your car. And, and just main logging, there we go. Logging everything that, that happens to our machine. So we change our group. We change our group gaskets, write down the date. Over a period of six months to a year, we're going to learn how long that our gaskets actually last for. So that we can change them before it gets to that time and make sure that we don't have any problems. Shower screens, same thing. We can document uh, when we do something, change O-rings or something to our steam valves. We can actually check the flow rate, if you're checking your, your manuals of your machines, you can check the flow rate of your group heads. If, if your flow rate's low, then you know that you've got a restriction inside your machine. And you can do something about that before it clogs up and parts seize and all those sorts of problems. You can also document when a service engineer comes in and does a little minor service, front-end service, major service, if you have the machine completely <coughs> stripped down and acid bath and document all these things. Any faults, any notes. And this makes it e this would make it easier, I feel, for the next service engineer who can come in and have a look at this log and, and see if anything's anything's reoccurring and try and prevent things from going wrong. So lastly, and this is something that um, I'm finding a little bit important at the moment because I, I don't really, I think there's one person that I know that does it. The grinder log. And what, what possibly could we log here? Quite simply, we could log our dose, so how much coffee we're, we're using for that day, or um, for, that, for that actual coffee, how long that takes to grind that dose, then we can actually log the kilos used in that day. Now what this is going to do is over time, we're going to be able to see a difference in our dose and our time. And when that time, when we're, we're grinding the same amount of coffee each time, but the actual time in seconds it's taking to grind that coffee is longer, then we know that our blades are starting to, to diminish and, and be a little bit blunt. So again, over time, we're going to learn how many kilos that we go through per day. Um, and we're going to learn when to change the blades before they actually become a problem. <coughs> so this, this essentially, for me, I know it's probably, for most people, it's probably a little bit boring. But uh, I think these kind of things, if we start monitoring and maintaining these sorts of things, we can make our baristas' lives a little bit easier that we're not having any problems with the machines. We can 
you know, just, you know, really not lose, uh, have any downtime uh, for, for our cafes and make sure everything's tasting fantastic, working fantastic and looking fantastic. So that's pretty much it. That's about me. So I hope we'll, we'll make these available as a template to uh, download for people and to start logging things that, that are happening. Please feel free to adjust them and change them to your needs. To start logging and documenting and, and using these things, these tools, as opposed to tinkering with things that we maybe shouldn't really be touching. Yeah, that's it for me. Thank you. John has always been someone um, that I've kind of uh, aspired to be like because he always tends to know a little bit more about what I want to know. Um, and John has always had a great understanding of machines. And I think um, like one thing that I always find these days, like working with different people in different shops, is that you have owners that say, oh, just train the staff, train the staff. And what we always do is, is say, I'll be doing training, and I say, okay, but you come back here and I'll show you what they need to do so that you don't need to buy a new machine in two years' time. And that always kind of sets off a bell and off they go. So like, if someone is setting up a shop, can you talk them through exactly why it is important that the staff working in the shop look after it? Uh, there's, there's a number of reasons. If, um, why, they should, why they should look after their machinery? Yeah, like it, it's an expensive process though. If they don't look after the machine, I mean like, like in London for instance, if you don't put a filter on the machine, how long will it last? Unfiltered machine. I, I would bet in London you probably a month or two before something horribly goes wrong without filtration. So, like for those of you that, that don't really know the deal, in Dublin we have I think water is probably around ninety parts per million. That'd be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then but in London you're looking what four fifty? Yeah, between four hundred four fifty. Yeah. It's a very very quick build up and. I think that's it, but machine maintenance, I think, for me, has to come from the top, has to come from the, the, the shop owners and, and uh, getting them to kind of, to make sure the staff do it that way, you know, to, to keep tapping away at it. Um, do anyone at the audience here have a question for John? Good, thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask if um, the, the sort of amount of water filtration would be important at home that would be something that you should be doing at home, a bit more to monitor your coffee? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, as, as most of you probably realise, you know, making a coffee at home is, is nowhere near as tasty as, my, as going, coming to a place like here and then having someone make a coffee for you. Um, I notice it at home as well. I don't have a filter at home, and most of the time I don't actually drink coffee at home. Um, because it, it tastes horrible, the water tastes horrible. I don't, I don't even drink the water from my tap at home. Um, so there are you know, different ways of, of overcoming that. You can buy bottled water and, and brew your coffee at home with bottled water or, or obviously the expensive way is, is purchasing filtration um, for home. There's a num number of different ways to do that, but yeah, th there's a, a huge difference there. And, um, um, in, in that quality, so, yeah. Okay, for you, yeah. the question? Yeah, I just opened a coffee shop and kind of 
work with that tension of having enough money to install everything I need to and all that kind of stuff. But I'm looking at water at the moment and what would you recommend is the best uh, water filtration system to put in uh, for a Dublin coffee shop? Well, it actually depends. You know, if we're, if we're working with a, a low TDS um, with Dublin water, I would be more... Um, actually, something we noticed last night, um, Lauro noticed a little bit of a, a taste, a chlorine taste, um, which obviously can't be good uh, for coffee. So, I mean, you don't want you don't want your your TDS level to be any lower than it already is, because then you start over extracting coffee, and, and that's a whole another ball game. But um, I, I would look at um, carbon filtration and and different ways to to eliminate the chlorine taste as well. So just a, a taste and odor filter, really, um, and just making sure that um, there's no obviously foreign objects and foreign taste. Um, that get into your machinery to, to, to affect that coffee. And then like you're saying, you, you, you're trying to find that all the bits and pieces of, of money to, you know, to be able to afford all this equipment. And, and realistically, if you spend that bit of extra money and, and care from the start, then you're not gonna be paying a lot more money um, in, in the long run for servicing and things like that. So I think you're better off starting really good um, and then spending less money later on. I hope that answers your question. Any, uh, any other questions? Yeah. Oh, here we go. John. Go on, um, You've mentioned two things. One is taste, and yes. uh, one is uh, maintenance for machines. Mm -hmm. Is the water recipe needed for a healthy machine the same that is needed for optimal taste? I think so. I think so, from my experiments. Um, but again, realistically, I'm just a barista, so I kind of feel like I know nothing. But from, from my experiments, uh, playing around with different water recipes um, has had a huge effect on the taste. But then, like you're saying, we need, we need to find that balance between what affects our machinery and what affects our coffee. Um, for me at the roastery, uh, we found a, a TDS level of 140 parts per million um, is ideal for both. Our machinery is spotless, we never have any flow rate issues, um, we never have any solenoid seizing or, or scale buildup, um, and, and the coffee tastes fantastic. So yeah, it's, it's obviously finding that balance between the two as well. Uh, I thought your talk was great. Uh, I think that it's uh, something that is nowhere near looked at enough uh, in retail environments. Definitely, um, definitely. But uh, you know, something that I really struggle with is the fact that uh, you know we had baristas employed at seven and eight pounds an hour all over London. Uh, I don't know what the situation is like here. How can we possibly expect to get people who are basically paid as close to minimum wage as people can get away with? then take an invested interest in, in the maintenance of equipment um, when, like Colin said, largely the owners don't really care either. Um, how, do we, how do we get people to care? I think, well, no, you're right. Obviously, the, the first step is the owners have to care. Um, I mean, baristas are the, the, first, the first bunch to, to see if, if their owners don't care, then 
why should they care as well? And that's where you see a lot of mistreatment in, in, in machines as well. Um, so obviously that first step is owners have to care about their investment, the money that they've spent um, on, on this machinery. Um, and then may, maybe the next step is actually managers putting these, the, putting those, um, those tests, tests and measurements and documents in place the baristas don't have a choice, they have to do it. It's, it's, a lot of it's very simple stuff and can take less than five minutes a day to fill out all three of those sheets. Um, and normally, especially these days with the, the grinder thing, I'm, I really want to see more of that happen. And obviously we're seeing more people weigh, um, weigh their dose and, and, and yield and all that sort of stuff. And, and you do that in the morning when you're dialing in. So that's kind of a, an easy process to to, um, you're doing two things at once. You're documenting your dose, and you're and you're also dialing in for the day anyway. So, but sorry. Can I ask one more thing? Yeah. What, what about the idea of uh, you know sometimes what happens in one cafe, people, especially small independents, don't really have any idea what's happening in other places, and sometimes you don't know that it's bad until it's really really bad, and you might look at another cafe down the road. And for anyone watching online, uh, Tim uh, has just made the point that uh, perhaps this documentation should be made freely available so that everybody has a standard to um, kind of uh, to aim for, I suppose, in a way. I, I would love to see that. I would absolutely love to see that. Um, in terms of flow rate, uh, I'm pretty sure, and Lara and Cosmarine will be able to answer this for me, you would, there would be documentation in, in manuals and things of, of flow rates. So I'm assuming most manufacturers um, would have those guidelines. Essential points would make it definitely easier though, with this. like having that essential point to go to. Would yeah, definitely, definitely. So a, a resource of a Marzocco <coughs> linear flow rate is at this per minute, and a Seminelli is at this per minute, and, and that sort of stuff. I think that would be fantastic. It's just finding um, a person that wants to do with this and say, "Please get the camera." <laughs> you know? Yeah, but no, it, it that makes complete sense. Um, and and even the same uh, same thing with the grinder thing. Be, I, I would be quite interested to start something. Well, like just that. just on the grinder thing, we actually tried that, and I think the problem that we encountered, uh, we did log everything. What we do is that we scribble the the dose, uh, so the the dose and the yield and the time onto the hopper, so that if you step on bars, you're cleaning toys, you come back, and if it gets busy, you're like, okay, and you don't need to just you know guess it. You have a, a log there, and you wipe it off and change it as a as a, as a, as a dose changes. But what we change is that now we change our copies every single week, and then at any one time we've got two copies on espresso. So, what you might you might pull, and like a, let's say if you're pulling shots and you're happy, you're in 20, 20 in, thirty one out, um, and you're on let's say grind point number six, it's uh, grinding for seven point two seconds, and you're yielding it in twenty five seconds. All right, you change from like a washed copy to a natural, if you'll forgive me, and uh, and. All of a sudden, what's happening is that, that you go from six to nine, uh, you're grinding for like 11.3 seconds, and then you're yielding in 28 seconds. And then introduce the fact that sometimes we change the copies, like we could have maybe four or five espressos on in any one week, depending on how busy we are or what we put in. And that just introduces so many variables, but we definitely learned a lot from it. 
but the, the variables there. If, if a shop had a single blend, especially like a seasonal blend, I would definitely, definitely do that. I, I think you're, you're right in the sense that, yes, if you didn't have the same coffee, um, you would notice the change. But mm -hmm. I still think with different coffees, you would still notice that change as well. Yeah. Um, John? Go, Dave. Go, me. I just wanted to jump in on that point before you went off into another point. I think Colin on lots of different copies, yeah, the dose are going to be different, everything's going to be different. So instead of looking at it on a micro, kind of daily, weekly level, you need to be looking at it on a monthly level. Yeah. And then, so you'll have the inherent variability of those different copies, but you should start seeing a trend yeah. uh, over time. I love yeah. that. Also That's not a question without me doing. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, well, well, the thing that happened is that we then developed an understanding of how natural coffees would, would behave. So that when we said open up a bag of natural coffee, we say, oh, we've got to change it here because it's got to be in that ballpark, which saves me a few pennies. You could also just have subcategories. Exactly, yeah. So natural wash thing. Yeah, yeah I think so. It'd be great, I think. Yeah. I, I would be curious to, to know what people's thoughts are on. Um, how they recognise they need to change the blade in their grinder. Um, for me, one of the first things I notice, when, or one actually, the first thing is is noise. The the pitch of the grinding actually increases um, and gets to a point in my ear that is quite painful. Um, it normally that, comes to me in a dream. <laughs> <laughs> the second it comes before me. The second thing for me is taste. You can taste when blades are blunt. Um, there, there is a dullness in the coffee and, and you, you're dialing in and you're trying to make this coffee better and better and better and you just cannot squeeze any more out of it. So that's kind of a second indication. But, but being able to document that and, and seeing if there is any trends, um, I, I hope would actually kind of help us preempt changing that. Okay. Please, big round of applause.